eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey everybody, Luis Miguel Echegaray for Que Golazo Pod. As part of Black History Month, we have a very special episode now with Tosin McKindy and of course Aaron West, CBS Sports colleagues who will discuss about black representation in the game, issues of racism and much, much more as we look to improve the game for not just the black community, but minority as well. This is a great conversation. Happy to have Tozen and Aaron and hand them the mic. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Tosin. Uh, most of you do not know me. I am the social media manager for CBS Soccer um, Champions League page. And most of you probably know Aaron. So Aaron, you can introduce yourself. What is going on, y'all? I am Aaron West. Uh, I'm here with Tosin to talk about a very, very important issue that's near and dear to our hearts. It's Black History Month. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you can tell, we're, we're Black folks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we've been in this sport for a while, so uh, we have the opportunity to kind of chat about this space, about being Black in, in the sport of soccer, about the, the, how things stand kind of in the world now. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm very blessed and very excited to be able to have this opportunity. So. Hey, good morning, man. Number one. <laughs> yeah, good morning. That's the first thing, right? But, uh, yeah. you know, like you said, we are black. Um, it could be racially ambiguous. I don't know. We might have to get a haircut like Travis Kelsey. I'm openly black. I am openly <laughs> black, bro. <laughs> <laughs> if that means anything. But nah, my first question for you is just, like, how did you get involved in the sport? Like, what made you really get into soccer? Because, like, especially growing up in America, I think one of the biggest things is a lot of people don't realize, like, there are black people who love the sport and, like, are just insane. So how did you get into the sport? Yeah, it's wild. I grew up, I was born and raised in, in North Carolina. I grew up in Chapel Hill, like pure basketball country. Um, both of my parents went to UNC Chapel Hill. My dad was actually the first black uh, head coach in the ACC at UNC, but for track and field. So we had like no soccer background. When I was three years old, my mom's best friend, who is a, a white lady, um, introduced us to the sport. And like, as soon as I saw soccer, it was like a wrap for me. I was in love. I fell in love immediately. Um, and we like, we didn't have cable. We were in Chatham County, North Carolina, like on this, like right on the edge of Chapel Hill where it's like, it's, it's, it's pretty Southern. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's like baseball, baseball, basketball, and football. That's what people played. Nobody really played soccer. Nobody really knew about it, but my parents did their best to educate themselves on the sport. My mom's best friend, like would, would give us like highlight tapes and, and like showed us magazines and that that's kind of where I, I got my introduction and it was Ajax highlight tapes that like got me into to really loving soccer and I saw I saw black faces and it was like wild 
to me to see like these young black dudes with like dreads and Ajax just like balling. And it just made me like, I, I, I fell in love with Ajax. I fell in love with Holland. Um, like the, the colors, the, the black faces, uh, just the, the joy that I saw from black players um, just really just hooked me like immediately. And so that was kind of my introduction. It's, it's part of why like I, I still love Dutch football to this day. But that, that was really what got me, man. I saw people that looked like me in a sport that just immediately grabbed me. And it was, it was there was no looking back. <laughs> it's, it's, the reason why I said is because, like, representation is so important. That's literally why I became a Man United fan. Um, I came a United fan in 1995, which seems like it was, like, yesterday. But 1995 was, like, literally 26 years ago, which is... <laughs> we're going to have people crazy. watching this that were, like, negative five. <laughs> yeah. And if people born in 2000, like, what do you mean 1995? But yeah, I saw Andy Cole move to Maine United, and then Paul Ince was still there at the time. And it's just like, oh, you see a black guy who's scoring all the goals to Maine United. It's like, that's who I want to be like growing up. And then we got Dwight York, and we got a whole bunch of other black players. But it's like, when you see somebody who looks like you, you want to kind of emulate that in a sense. And that's kind of like, it gives you a standard to look at. It's like, okay, cool that's the person I want to be like, that's the person that looks like me. And it, and it helped out that like at that time, Nigeria was doing well. Like we won the Olympics a year later. And then like we went to the world cup and like got beat by Denmark, but that's the size of the point. But we're going to skip that part. Cause I definitely cried in 1998 when we lost, but that's not, that's not the point, but it's like, you know, you see people who look like you and then you just want to really get into the sport. And I think one of the things that I love, especially about social media is that, you have so many people who are black who are like get into soccer because like they see people like you and I like tweet about like why are these dudes awake at 7 a.m. talking about soccer it's like this is this is the community this is the aspect of it of soccer and I think more and more people are starting to realize that there's such a big black community in the sport and it's something that when I first came to America like I moved in 2001 and I remember when I've told you the story before but I remember when we talked when I first came to school in America like I remember seventh grade I transferred to public school and everybody was talking about Allen Ivers. And I was like, yo, what, what are you talking about? I was like, let's talk about David Beckham. And then like, I was like, <laughs> first of all, like, I'm not going to be the one like immigrant kid that's going to get bullied with a British accent. So I had to learn about American sports, but you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you kind of have to see people who look like you in the sport and people really get it. And I feel like now we're starting to see more and more players who are like openly about, like, they don't care that like, on what the media is saying. Like you're seeing your Rashford, your Raheem Sterling, you know, your Lukaku's, your Kevin Prince Boateng's, like everybody like that's kind of making everybody realize like, oh, they look like me, they act like me, just they have a different accent and they speak maybe another language, you know, so. Yeah, yeah I think we're in, a, we're in a really cool period where like the culture has kind of crossed over. Um, when I was coming up, when even you're younger than me, but when you were coming up, like soccer wasn't cool. It wasn't cool at all. No. Um, it just it, like you wear a soccer jersey and you're getting fried up for it. Like it mm. wasn't like a cool fashion piece. But now with with rappers wearing jerseys, with basketball players, with basketball specifically, I think it's been such a big thing because there's so many foreign players, so many Europeans, so many guys who, who like grew up other places Kobe grew up in Italy so he loved the game Tim Duncan grew up playing so there's so much crossover and and I honestly even similarities between the sports and just how they're viewed um, yeah. I think that that cultural crossover has been massive the fashion crossover has been massive the music crossover has been massive uh, and it's it's become like cool soccer has become cool um, we see more and more black faces we're, we're in an era of, of athlete empowerment uh, I think a lot of <clears throat> soccer players have kind of taken cues from like 
specifically basketball players and their outspokenness over here um, and, and kind of grab that, like that individual responsibility to say, Hey, this happens to me. I'm, I'm experiencing racism. I'm experiencing this, this and that, and I'm not going to be quiet about it. Um, Where I, I think it's really cool when you, you see older players like Ian Wright, who, speak out for the younger players and, and is so proud of the younger players for the stance that they take. Like we see even in the last week or so, like Reese James getting abused online. We see Axel Tuanze getting abused, abused online. Marcus Rashford has been catching it for <laughs> forever. Paul Pogba has been yeah. catching it forever. But it, it's, I think for, especially for young black uh, athletes, men and women, uh, everyone i i think it's it's so dope to be able to see that these players not only get it done on the pitch but they're getting it done off the pitch like raheem sterling and and uh marcus rashford especially like those guys they're not only outspoken but every weekend and week out they're they're getting they're, they're getting the results so i think that's so important not just to be outspoken but to also continue to show that like we're we everyone feels like it seems like they, they think you can't walk and, t- and chew gum at the same time. Like these guys have a lot of free time and <laughs> yeah. not just training for eight hours a day. So there are other things that they can do in their lives that are not just football. And so it, it's been, re- especially like, I'm not older, but like, I'm an older guy when it comes to, to sports, like when it comes to sports, I'm old, when it comes to social media, I'm old. So it's cool for me to see the younger generation that really cares and it will stick their neck out to, to put themselves out there. I want to touch on what you were saying about the um the crossover. Like I was like you see players like Ukapo to interview like a podcast with Josh Hart, and you're seeing like um why can't I remember his name from the Trail the Trailblazers? He's probably I'm gonna I'm gonna be so mad when I realize like I know his name. He wore full main added tracksuit last week to his game. And it's like you're seeing players. I don't know who you're who, talking about? I can't remember his name though. It's gonna drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Gary Gary Trent Jr. There we go. Gary Trent Jr. Were. And it's just like, you've seen, like, even NFL players, like Christian McCaffrey, I remember a few years ago, he was with Bellerin. So you're seeing these, you know, the sport is becoming cool, and you're starting to see more and more, like, Black players, like, seeing themselves. And even, like, the even the even the players going overseas, like Mark McKenzie going to Belgium, you're starting to see people realize, like, oh, there are Black Americans who are good at soccer. Because a lot of times, and I get it, like, especially with Black Americans, they're like, you know, oh, there's not enough of us, specifically, like, yes, there's African players, and there's, you know, Black European players, but it's none of us. But you're starting to see your Tyler Adams, your Weston McKennies, and you're starting to see these guys go overseas more and more. And they're like, oh, wow, just like me. I mean, like, you look at someone like Tim Weah. Like, I was making a joke, like, last year. Like, Tim Weah, like, you could probably drop him off in the middle of Harlem. He look, you know, just like any other Black dude. You drop him off in the middle <laughs> of South London. He looks like any dude from South London. You look at someone, you drop him off in Paris. He looks just like anybody else in Paris. They're just like you're starting to see barriers broken down like before in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s that you never see broken down before. Um, one thing I want to talk about was um, just like coaches and stuff. Like I think one of the things that, you know, if, we, if you want to kind of be a little bit more serious is like we haven't really seen too many black coaches at the top level. I mean, I think the last time I saw like a black coach really like at the highest level coaching in the Champions League was when I was a high school senior and that's 2008. And we're in 2021. That, that was Frank Rykoff. So like, we don't see that anymore. We don't see black coaches getting these opportunities and like doing these things. Like even in the media perspective, like it has changed. I think we're lucky we're in this society of like being online and we get to see people have their own independent podcasts and shows. And there's too many to name, but there's a lot of people doing great independent things. And that's helping out a lot. But it's like even in like regular media, we don't see enough of us. And like, I think that's also part of a reason why like 
the conversation is a bit skewed and a little bit charmed. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's hard, especially when you are the only one or one of the only ones. It makes your job that much harder because you're not just doing your job. You're doing whether or not you want to. You're doing the job for hundreds and thousands of other people. So if you're a black manager, you're not just insert name. You're insert name plus thousands of names behind it. Uh, so it it it's such a hard thing. It's for me. It it was coming up playing soccer, even in North Carolina, like I, I had the, the massive benefit to have my, my first select coach was a black man. Uh, and like, that was wildly unusual. And mm -hmm. it was, um, it was just a huge help for me mentally, emotionally, like every time I went to training, I, I had a black man as my coach. Um, I saw a black man coaching. I, for a while, I wanted to be a coach. Um, I realized that I don't like to be outside and I don't have any patience. So two, those two things made it. So I probably wasn't going to be a coach, but like yeah. just seeing that I had a black coach, I was like, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, that's what representation is. I don't have to explain what representation is, but it's like seeing someone in a position, oh, I can do this. Oh, I'm not the only one. Uh, we, specifically with coaching, we have such a long way to go. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think upper management and coaching across a lot of sports it's it's a huge issue um, I, I do I think the more we start to see players trusted with and I say trusted trusted with important positions like we're seeing more black center mids uh, we're seeing more black captains we're seeing more black center backs we're seeing not just like stick them on the outside and let them run stick them on the wing let them run stick them up front and let them run it's mm -hmm. Uh, black players in positions of decision making and intelligence and like being recognized for what's between here and not just like oh he can run for all, all day and so the more that black players I think are trusted in those positions and seen as intelligent players I think they'll be seen as intelligent managers intelligent coaches intelligent upper managers intelligent transfer gurus I, I just it, we're in a an important period now where I think we're at a tipping point and it's, I, I do like some of what I'm saying, but it's just, I, the overall, we're, we're in a tough place. <laughs> yeah, and, and things can only get, like, we can only hope that things get better. Um, and it is frustrating, though, because it's like, we don't really see too many of us, like, especially in the media aspect. Like, I think that's one thing that, like, kind of, like, frustrates me a little bit is, like, you look at the, there's so much opportunity to, like, make these, to make these cultural connections, but, like, you don't really see it too much. And I do, once again, have to shout out to everybody who's doing their own independent projects, because that is helping a ton. Like you're seeing, like I remember I was talking to Mel D. Cole when he was interviewing, um, oh my God, I'm about to age myself. He interviewed Patrick Clavett's son. And he was telling um, Justin like how he's the same age as Patrick. And Justin was looking at him, like confused, but it's like Justin kind of felt a lot comfortable talking to Mel D. Cole. It's like, you're, you'll see a lot more with the players when like, you know, you speak to them. I'm sure you, you experienced that too, interviewing players. Like they probably open up to you a lot more knowing that like, oh, he looks like me and like he probably understands what I'm, you know, what I'm going through over here. Like something like Jaden Sancho, for example, like I remember when you were speaking to Jaden about his barber and then like he was just like, yeah, I don't trust anybody out here with my hair. I'd much rather go back to England. Like I'm living in Germany. I'd much rather go back <laughs> to England. And it's like that in itself, like soccer aside, like that's something we all relate to. I don't care where you're from in this, on the, like in the diaspora, like we all relate to that. Like you have to trust somebody with your hair because, you know, it's, it's a very important part of who we are. So it's just like, that in itself was like, see, we all kind of all like see things similarly. So yeah, it's like little it's, cultural it, aspects like that. 
For sure, man. Especially like being in journalism. I, for the longest time, I didn't really want to accept responsibility for anyone else. Like I'm a very much like I do me type person. But the yeah. older I get, the longer I'm in this space, like I have felt the responsibility to pave a path for people behind me to to open up space for people who come behind me and like I feel I feel responsible and I I actually I enjoy the role that I'm playing right now to be able to kind of open up the the door for different types of journal journalism like to talk to Jaden Sancho about getting his haircut to like juggle with a player and, and interview them like to hang out with players and not like not necessarily just be so stiff that that's that's how journalism has been for the longest time just so very formal but I look like players like I grew up in the same situations as a lot of these guys like I listen to the same music I watch the same things they do so I have a different conversation with someone who might happen to be like a 45 50 year old white man like mm-hmm. I, we're just gonna have a different conversation they're gonna be more comfortable with me uh, so I, I think it's important um, for me to be part of that representation uh, uh, and accept that responsibility. Like even you, like you're, you're, you're younger than me. Like kind of, I've been watching you for a while. Like I, I've been like really interested in your progress. Like it's yeah. just like this community is so, is so dope. There's so many of mm-hmm. us that I think support each other cause we've had to, uh, especially yeah. on independent projects like that. So I, yeah. it's, it's a cool time. Uh, especially I'm, I'm glad we were able to do this on a, a major network so yeah. <laughs> yeah it's amazing that like we are given this opportunity because it's it's nice to talk about soccer and talk about things that like we don't get to see all the time I know we make jokes about it all the time but like the racism in the sport it's like make fun of PMP all the time because it's just like you know it's like you're not gonna just say oh this player is just fast put him on the wing because we all have the experience like I always say all the time if you're if you're young and black and you play soccer you've had to like your coach is throwing you on the wing not because you're <laughs> not because like that's where you're good. It's because you're faster and you're gonna go do that. So it's just like we all kind of, you know, we all have these experiences. And like even my journey into it, like I didn't want to be front facing on camera ever. Like that's something I know. I was like, I'd never want to do that. And then like it's nice though, because it's like you really get to bring out your personality and like see things from a different perspective. It's like, especially being American, like I think one of the things is people don't really think that there's too many American people that really like soccer, let alone like black American people. It's just like no, no, no. There's a whole community of us who, like, we're awake on Saturdays at 7 a.m. Like, I was watching Arsenal Aston Villa on Saturday at 7.30 in the morning. Why? It's not even my team, but because that's just what we do. <laughs> that's just kind of like, you know, there is a big culture here. So, you know, it's nice that we get to see this. And I think one of the biggest things, this continuous prog- is pro- is progress. Like, it, it hurts to see when players get racially abused online. Um, because I think the biggest thing when I see those things is, like, they're probably, like, 14-year-old kids in their mom's basement who are just being little, you know, trolls and it's like you shouldn't do that to people because you know it's awful and i and one last thing i want to talk about was like the racism anti-racism campaigns i think they're frustrating in a sense because it's like when you grow up watching all these campaigns it's like what else is next i remember the, my favorite campaign and i shouldn't call the anti-racism campaign my favorite but it's a standout speaker <laughs> i remember 0405 like you're an arsenal fan you're i'm a united fan you remember the game the one with john o'shea scored a chip both the teams wore an anti-racism campaign. It's I hate like, that chip so much, by the way. <laughs> I know you when did. did he, I, he blacked out. He blacked yeah, out. We yeah. don't have to talk about this. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> but it's like 16 <laughs> years later, like, players are now leaning and kneeling on the ground, which is insane to think about. Like, a player born in that era is actually trained with United's first team, by the way. A player born in 04 is trained in United's first team, which makes no sense, by the way. But 
like we're here now like 16 years later what has really changed it's like what yeah. you know how do we change it because i feel like we're not the ones who have to incite change like we're the ones who we can tell you about it but until like you know higher management things like that actually start doing stuff we're just going to keep complaining and there's only going to be the same perpetual cycle of just you know hey there's racism here so yeah like hey they're doing it again good uh, and you should do something about this <laughs> yeah we told you about it like 20 years ago. Can you come back hey, and do something about hey, it? Hey, yeah. they're still doing it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's amazing that we've been given this space and this opportunity to speak about this. I mean, it, it's nice that like, you know, we're starting to see more and more faces. I mean, shout out to Michael Richards and Alex Scott. They both have been amazing with CBS. They're both like amazing. So it's nice to see Alex Scott and, you know, and Michael Richards doing this. So, yeah. I mean, is there anything else you want to add before we get off? Um, I'm just going to continue to be openly black, man. That's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I got to add is just don't be unserious. And that's really kind of like the only thing I have to add towards that. So yeah, don't be unserious and I respect that. be nice to people. So yeah. <laughs> be nice to people is a solid way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> hey everybody. I want to thank Aaron West and Tozin McKinley for joining. And of course, having that great conversation, make sure that you support the cause and follow us as well on Kegolasso Pod on Twitter. We're on Apple Podcast. We're on Stitcher and Spotify. We are on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. Have a great, great day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.